0: G'day, everyone. Uh, my name's Marcus. I'm one of the student ministers here at Bexley North. Great to see you all today. Um, you might notice that in your outline, uh, it's blank. And so up on the screen, uh, if you want to write in some headings, uh, this is probably the best uh, version uh, what I should have put in there. Um, but that's what you can do. Context, community, wisdom, son of God. Um, but why don't we pray before uh, we unpack the Bible? Let's pray. Father, we pray that in this time now, as we look at your word, as we look at the life of Jesus, that you give us understanding, give us clarity, and give us hearts that comprehend your glory. And we pray all of this in your Son's name. Amen. Well, today, as we look through uh, this part of the book of Luke, there's a question I want to ask Was Jesus the ideal child? Because two weeks ago, at Christmas, we heard these lyrics. They'll be up on the screen. The cattle are lowing, the baby awakes. The little Lord Jesus, no crying. No crying, he makes. Isn't that the ideal child? Jesus, no crying. And if you've been a Christian for a while, you know that Jesus is perfect. He must be. If he's not... It's just another random bloke dying and we've had plenty of those for the past 2,000 years. But take a look in your Bibles at verse 48 of the passage we just read in Luke. Verse 48. When his parents saw him, they were astonished and his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Jesus made his parents distressed. Surely no ideal child would do this to their parents. So was Jesus the ideal child? Was Jesus the ideal child? Well, before we actually get into our passage today, I just want to start with a little bit of context in the book of Luke. Before we look at the passage, I want to remind you of the book of Luke's purpose. And there are two words to notice from the beginning of Luke. It'll come up on the screen, but those two words that I want you to notice are fulfilled and certainty. It's up on the screen. Many have undertaken to compile a narrative about the events that have been fulfilled among us. It also seemed good to me to write to you in an orderly sequence, most honourable Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things about which you have been instructed. So, as we look through our passage today, Luke wants to tell us about things from the Old Testament which have been fulfilled by Jesus when he walked on earth. And he also wants us to have certainty about what we believe. And so look, let's look at what happens in our passage today. Take a look in your Bibles with me, kicking off at verse 39. is what it says. When they had completed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. By the standard of the Jewish law, the Old Testament law, as a baby, Jesus has accomplished everything. Now, this is a small point in the passage, but it's integral to our faith, isn't it? Because when we think about Jesus fulfilling the law on our behalf, it's not just that he lived perfectly as an adult, but that he also lived perfectly as a baby. We can have certainty that Jesus' death on our behalf works. Because when Jesus died on the cross in our place... He placed a life where the whole law had been fulfilled. Not just the adult bits, but the bits as a baby as well. And when we trust in Jesus, He takes our imperfect track record and gives us His complete fulfilment of the law. We don't have to doubt whether Jesus did everything the law required as a baby. We get to have certainty already right here at the beginning of this passage but now take a look at verse 41 where we get to the main story of our passage every year this is verse 41 every year his parents traveled to jerusalem for the passover festival when he was 12 years old they went up according to the custom of the festival So once again, we have Jesus' parents doing all the right things in parenting Jesus. They're taking him to the right festivals at the right times, Passover being one of the biggest events in the Jewish calendar. And Jesus is 12 years old in this story. Now, what do you think Jesus is going to be like as a 12-year-old? Is he going to be running around ancient Jerusalem playing the ancient Israelite version of Pokemon? uh, Or is he going to be like me as a 12-year-old, really kind of entering into his rebellious streak like I was? Well, let's take a look at what happens next in verse 43. After those days were over, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but his parents did not know. Assuming he was in the travelling party... They went a day's journey. Then they began looking for him among their friends and relatives. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem to search for him. Jesus' parents, Mary and Joseph, have lost him. He's straight up missing. Now, when we read this, we probably think that Mary and Joseph are just irresponsible parents. How could they lose their child? but we need to remember the incredibly family and community-oriented time that Jesus lived in. People at this time would travel in big community convoys. Yes, care was primarily the responsibility of the parents, but it was also somewhat expected from the community. So it makes sense that Jesus' parents assume that he's around somewhere. It's just how they operate it. And I point this out because I think the Bible moves us today to think this way too. Uh, many of us here have either adult children or we might not have any children at all. But whether we have kids or not, we have a responsibility to help all kids grow to love Jesus. And I'm not just saying this because I'm about to be a dad. Uh, known as giving birth in April. I'm not just trying to shirk responsibility for the, the raising of my child. I say it because passages like Ephesians 6, which you can look up later, expect that the church community as a whole will help to grow children in the church as part of the church community. And I think that happens here in Bexley North in lots of different ways. It happens when we take child protection seriously. It happens when we volunteer a weekend to serve at kids' church when we can. But an opportunity I think we could use better here is when the kids are here at the beginning of the service. Let's show the kids what it means to love Jesus when we sing praises to Him. Let's say the creeds with pride to show them what it looks like to believe in the name of Jesus. Let's think about our posture during prayer when the kids are here with us. I think this is something God wants us to do as a community, as a church, to be on about growing the kids in our community, showing them what it looks like to live for Jesus. I want to take just a moment to say that I think our 430 congregation does this really well and I think you may have seen them doing this and I want to exhort them to you. I've seen a bunch of them take the time to invest in the lives of kids at Morning Church in different ways. Uh, Some volunteering at Kids Church, some getting involved with families here at Morning Church as well. But as a church community, let's be on about partnering with parents to grow kids in our church community. Anyway, back to Luke 2. And Jesus' parents, they've headed back to Jerusalem to find their lost son, and we pick it up in verse 46. So take a look at verse 46 with me. After three days, they found him in the temple complex, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all those who heard him were astounded at his understanding and his answers. Let's observe a couple of things from those verses. Firstly, Jesus' parents find him after three days. They basically looked everywhere to see where they could find Jesus. And when they find him, what do they see him doing? He's sitting amongst the teachers, listening and asking questions. Now, this might seem to us today like a bit of a classroom scenario. You've got Jesus sitting there asking questions at his desk. You've got the ancient Israelite teachers writing on, I don't know, whatever ancient form of a whiteboard they have. I don't know if they had chalkboards back then like they did in my day. But this isn't your standard classroom scenario. See, Jesus is sitting amongst the teachers and showing them what he knows. The way that things worked back then is that Israel's teachers would gather together, they'd sit around, and they'd ask each other questions to think through big ideas and test their knowledge. It's almost like a a big Bible study uh, where every question is actually a test. Freaks me out a little bit, to be honest. And so for Jesus at 12 years old to be sitting down amongst the teachers, giving astonishing answers is absolutely mind-blowing. These are the wise men of the Jewish world, the spiritual leaders, and they've accepted him and his teaching at just 12 years old. Now, I'm going to take us on a very big exaggeration, but this situation is like a gathering of John Calvin, Martin Luther, Don Carson... Josh Hesford, Jim Packer, Mark Thompson. And then in the middle of them is a 12-year-old boy showing them how much he knows and their minds are blown. Because as a child, Jesus is wise. Sitting with these teachers, showing them his knowledge and his understanding was the tick of approval for Jesus' wisdom. And this display of wisdom at only 12 years old is another reminder to listen to him, to listen to the wisdom of Jesus in all circumstances. And I think this is something that we're actually really good at here at Bexley North, whether it's in gospel teams or here at church on a Sunday. But I think for Christians in our modern day and age, this is something that's only going to get harder within our lifetime. Because Jesus teaches some controversial truth. Will you listen to Jesus' wisdom when he teaches that people who don't believe in him are going to hell? Will you listen to Jesus' wisdom when he teaches us all to give up our whole lives, including our time, money, our social standing, for his kingdom? Will you listen to Jesus' wisdom when his teaching goes against what the world says about gender and sexuality? Will you listen to Jesus' wisdom when his teaching goes against things like abortion and euthanasia? We need Jesus' teaching in our life. Jesus is wisdom. Jesus is wise, even at 12 years old. So when you hear something from the Bible that doesn't quite sit right with you at the time, don't automatically write it off. Dwell on it. Read other parts of the Bible. Talk with your gospel team and pray for understanding. Because even at 12 years old, Jesus astounded the wisest of the time with his wisdom. But ironically... This isn't what Jesus' parents are thinking at the time. So take a look in your Bibles at verse 48, verse 48 of our passage. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Now this brings us back to that question that we started with, doesn't it? Is Jesus the ideal child. Because they're asking how Jesus could cause them so much distress. Surely no ideal child would cause their parents this much agony. But all he's done so far in this story is cause them to worry. But when we look at Jesus' response, we see that their expectations and our expectations of Jesus are completely wrong take a look in verse 49 why were you searching for me he asked them didn't you know that i had to be in my father's house what jesus says here is that if they knew who he truly was the first place that they would have looked was the temple And despite angels and prophecies, big, grand speeches from Simeon and Anna like we saw last week, Jesus' parents still think he's an ordinary boy. They think he's just their ordinary son. That's why they didn't think to look for him in the temple. They looked everywhere they thought an ordinary child would be. See, Jesus might not be the ideal child if we only think of him as the ordinary son of Mary and Joseph. But when we realise that Jesus is God's son, it changes everything. He's actually doing the right thing by being in his father's house. By every standard that God holds, he is the ideal son. As God's son, the only place for him to be is in the temple where his true father is. As God's son, his devotion is to his father God first. As God's son, he fulfills all the requirements of the Jewish law. As God's son, he displays outstanding wisdom even among the wisest teachers of his time. Jesus, even as he grows up, is God's ideal son. And so here's my question for you. Where would you have looked for Jesus? Where would you have gone to look for Jesus? Because our answer to that question tells us what we expect Jesus to be. Would you look for him at time zone in the arcade? Would you look for Jesus at the soup kitchen? at the library, at Lowe's. If we're to look anywhere other than the temple, it shows we don't understand who Jesus is. Jesus is in the temple because that shows us who he truly is, his actual identity. That's where he goes home because he is God's son, God's ideal son who is fully righteous. And so what happens if we don't get this? Why does it matter? Well, if we measure Jesus by our own standards, we think he would have been anywhere but the temple. And then we don't actually worship the true Jesus. If we go to time zone, we think he's just the average bloke. If we think he should have been at the soup kitchen, we reduce him to a social advocate. If we think he should have been in the library, we reduce him just down to a smart man. And while all these things can be true, this is not the true Jesus. He's in the temple because he's the Son of God. We need to readjust our expectations of what Jesus should be to who he truly is. Because when we do, it changes our whole world. If I keep my expectations of Jesus as a regular guy... Where is my hope? He's actually just a figment of my own imagination. But if I see Jesus as the ideal son, I know that not only am I saved from my sin, but I can worship him for who he truly is. Now, if you're still working out who Jesus is, I want to invite you to keep coming along to church we literally talk about jesus every week we love him we think he's great and keep coming back because jesus has true answers to the questions of life the universe and everything but if you've been following jesus for a while i'm going to end by asking you a question what in your life is changing your mind about who you think jesus is For me, I find that news headlines on Facebook tempt me to want just a soup kitchen Jesus. When I see all the trouble in the world on my Facebook feed, I'm tempted to reduce Jesus down to a food machine and a war preventer. And it seems like every cause in the world wants Jesus on their team, don't they? But when they do this, they try to reduce him down to an ordinary person, Jesus the pacifist, Jesus the recycler, Jesus the conservative social guru, but not Jesus, the son of God found in the temple. And so stop trying to reduce Jesus down to your own idea of who you think he is or who you think he should be. Stop listening to the people who try to reduce Jesus down to their own idea of what they think he should be. Come and worship the true Jesus, the Son of God who put on flesh, born as a baby, grew up as a 12-year-old, fulfilled everything in the law, was found in the temple sitting amongst the wise teachers, died on a cross for our sin, rose again to give us life, and is ruling in heaven, waiting to come back and redeem those who trust in the true Jesus and are saved completely by his grace. Get your picture of Jesus right and trust him, because when we do, we see that he is beautiful and wise. He is the son of God. Let's pray to him now. God, we thank you for sending Jesus, your son, who as a child displays such great wisdom that the teachers of his time are astounded by his knowledge. God, we pray that you would help us to fix our eyes on the true Jesus, not to be swayed by our own desires or the picture that's painted for us by people around us in this world but help us to know that he is the Son of God, the one who was found in the temple because you are his Father. We pray that you'd help us to trust him, believe in him, and we ask that you would forgive us our sin through his death and resurrection. We pray all this in your Son's name. Amen.